Welcome to the party, pal. You that take up for you- from. Dang it! Die sorry. Hard. <laughs> I was gonna. My, my fault. You take up for your pals, no matter what they do. When you're a gang, you stick up for your pals. If you don't stick up for your pals, stick together. Make like bruh the like. Dang it! It isn't a pet. You ain't a pal no more. It's a pal. A snarling, distrustful, bickering park like the socials in the social clubs or the street pals in New Pal or the wolves in the pal. That was pretty hey, good. That was pretty good. We're all pals here, right? Pals? Pals? We're all pals. I like my pals and clouds and sunsets. I like my pals and my gals and that's it. Love it. Love nice. It. Good job, everyone. I love this movie. Good. I got a question for y'all. Okay. I have a question too, but Eric, you go first. Okay, so when I was doing research on this, apparently there's two cuts of this movie, and I watched the maybe inferior cut of the movie. Okay. Apparently there is a two-hour long cut that Francis Ford Coppola added a bunch of scenes to. He overhauled the soundtrack mm-hmm. um, and score. Yeah. And apparently that is a superior cut, and I'm a little disappointed I did not watch that one. What is that one called? The, the complete, complete novel. novel. The complete novel. Yeah, well, uh, I, I have actually some some stuff written about that and talking about um, some of the scenes that were cut. I have made a note of that because I actually ended up watching the complete novel cut for the first time yesterday. So okay, other any other cool. time I've watched it, it was the original cut. Nice. So, yeah. Um, the what is this is my question. What is the. Most popular movie from 1983. 83. I don't know. Did Risky Business come out that year too? It did. That's very good. (laughs) But that's not the most popular. Yeah, that wasn't very popular. Oh, man. Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. That really? This was a pretty good year. A New Hope was 79. Revenge. 77. You're right. 77. Empire Strikes Back was 81. Uh-huh. I think it was four years I think later. It was, yeah. 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 Oh wow, that's crazy. Eighty three. Wow. Um, you got Return of the Jedi, Scarface, Video Jerome, The Outsiders, Christmas Story, Christine, Cujo. That was a big uh, Stephen King. This is like the height of Stephen King's yeah. power in movies. Kind of fell off. Yeah. I think he's he's done okay. He's he's done just fine. Oh, that do y'all remember that movie Local Hero that we that I talked about on the podcast? Oh, no, you you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's not familiar. That's an eighty three one as well. Oh yeah! What a year! Nice. What a year! And you know what? The Outsiders is the fourth most popular movie from 1983 on Letterboxd. Wow! Oh wow! I did not know that. Yeah. How do yeah. they rank populate by views? How many people have seen it? Uh, yes, I think so, or have logged it. Okay. And then when you go and look at it per year, the top left is the most most viewed, from what I understand. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I had I had no idea that uh. Francis Ford Coppola did a coming of age movie um, in Tulsa. So. What other Coppola experience have y'all seen? I've seen the Godfather trilogy and uh, Apocalypse Now. I don't honestly. I don't know if I've seen any. Oh no, go back. Any other ones? Maybe. Look at uh, the I've seen, but I haven't. I haven't seen any anything. He, there's else another one he did in between Godfather and Apocalypse Now called The Conversation, I think, with Gene Hackman. I think Apparently that's a great movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he directed Jack with yeah. Robin Williams. I did not know that. He has a pretty, pretty I've seen that one, body of work. or I've seen part of it. I actually watched Apocalypse Now very recently when uh, when Olivia said we were going to be watching uh, The Outsiders. 
for this uh, episode, I decided to revisit Apocalypse Now because that's one of my favorite movies. Um, and I, I got on 4K and it looks incredible. It the, the remaster makes it look like the movie came out like yesterday. Wow, it looks really good. Um, I'll have to keep that in mind. It's re- it's really I'll good. Watch that version. Yep, I, I I just need to go watch all his stuff. Yeah, The Godfather. I mean, unless you got ten hours to set aside. <laughs> It's one, I mean, like that distinct period piece is one that like Jessica and I've said, we're going to watch it at some point. We Mm -hmm. just haven't, we haven't made the time to sit down and do it. Honestly, I don't know if it's a hot take. Once Upon a Time in America is the superior gangster crime movie. Really? In my opinion. I like that one a lot more. I'd love to do one on uh, an episode. That's a Sergio Leone's gangster movie. After he did the uh, spaghetti westerns with uh, Clint Eastwood, he did that. That one with Robert De Niro, and it's four hours long. Oh my so goodness. cool! Yeah, that would be a great pairing with uh, Kevin Costner's Dances with Wolves. Oh, y'all know that the movie's three movies. three hours long. Yeah, yes, it Dances. I've never seen that, but is that the one that inspired Avatar? Or am I thinking another of another movie? Did are there parallels between Dances? Was it a Kevin Costner movie that inspired <laughs> Avatar? I don't know. Apparently, there are similarities between avatar and dances with wolves because Dan- is, dances is with, with wolves with like the the with the like the native americans yeah yeah he assimilates yeah. into their culture right okay so that's kind of like uh so, i was about to say i think that's kind of like that's kind of like, very similar now that that's kind of like what's his talking name about uh, it yep sam worthington assimilating into the uh the avatar people yeah but, all right that's a conversation for another day There's i'm a, eric fam i was gonna jump into the do it uh, our introductions if we wanted to do that or we can keep talking about avatar go for it I'm Eric Pham. I'm Olivia Clement. And I'm Isaac Sims, and this is Flyover Film Country, a podcast about movies set in places oft forgotten by Hollywood, like Tulsa in the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> we are continuing our Flyover Essential series, and for today's episode, we are going to discuss the 1983 film, The Outsiders. The Francis Ford Coppo- Coppola film is an adaptation of the 1967 novel of the same name written by Tulsa native S.E. Hinton and it features a star-studded cast in some of their earliest roles. Before we dive in, let's talk about Ready Set Podcast. Ready Set Podcast has prices to fit any budget, options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish. If you have a podcast idea, they'll give you a free consultation if you reach out to them on their website or social media. Their website is www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Guys. Excellent. That was a great. That was a great read. Good job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. I Thanks. I felt like that was a really good read. Um, but I I was like oh, I'm just getting I'm just being a little conceited. Anyway, uh, so. <laughs> I feel like we don't give each other enough credit whenever we, <laughs> we do really ad reads. So. Uh, reading off the, the outline, honestly, I fumble over words more when I do that instead of when I just go off script. It's all good, man. Yeah, so It's all good. All right. So uh, like we said, we're going to be talking about The Outsiders. Uh, the s- summary for this movie is that it is set in 1965 Tulsa, the rivalry between two gangs, the poor greasers and the rich socias. Only heat up whenever one gang member kills another member of the opposite gang. I worded that weirdly. I apologize for that. Um, what is, real quick, what is Socha's supposed to like, be an abbreviation for? Social? Socials. Club? Yeah. Um, yeah. Socialites, I think. Maybe. I think I was going to say socialites. socialites. Yeah, because yeah. they're like upper class. and It's never. You, know. you would I be read... a social, Isaac. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. But I'd be like, guys, don't fight. Like, I don't, I don't even have a knife. Be, you'd be cherry in this. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be a girl. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. Cherry is my main character. I have stuff to tell y'all. So. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Um. Anyway, I interrupted you. Continue. No, you're good. I was, uh, I was going to talk a little bit about the novel, um, just because I, I think Essie Hinton is incredible. Uh, I, I read this novel. I got this book when I was, I think, 12 or 13 for Christmas. My mom got, gave it to me for Christmas one year. Uh, she read it when she was probably around that age. And uh, so, so I read it then as well. And like, like I said earlier, it's based on the 1967 novel of the same name. The publishers were like, hey, Essie Hinton, you should probably go by Essie because mm, odds are boys aren't going to want to read a book written by someone named Susan, which I mean, it, I guess it, whatever. It's more, uh, it was more common on the, the current misogynistic state of publishing. Yeah. And, and I mean... Not JK that anything's Rowling changed. But... Yeah, I was going to say, J.K. Rowling did it 30 years later. So uh, anyway, so Hidden began writing The Outsiders in 1967 when she was about f- uh, 15 years old and finished it when she was 16. She wrote this novel because she did not really enjoy what was being written for young adults. And if you think about it, I looked up some of the books that were coming out around the same time. And here were some of the books that were released in 65 as well. The Autobiography of Malcolm X dune the black cauldron which is probably the closest to a ya book that came out on that uh came out that year and then you have the mouse and the motorcycle and dr seuss's fox and socks so it was like either you're gonna read something like a biography or something like dune which is impossible to read <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> or Isaac, correct me if i'm wrong but i'm it, it's basically just a big commentary on catholicism yeah. um and and so you've got those fun reads or books for little kids. So there was nothing really specifically for young adults. Uh, This book was also inspired by two rival gangs at her school. She went to Will Rogers high, which is still a school in the Tulsa uh, public school district. Fun fact. And pretty much all of her novels are set in Oklahoma. All of her young adult novels are set in Oklahoma. Uh, And this was from Oklahoma. Yeah, she is she's, okay. she's a Tulsa native and she still lives there. She doesn't really do a whole lot of public appearances anymore. And I think really the only one she's done in recent years is the house. Cause they, they filmed this movie all in Tulsa and the house that the Curtis brothers live in was still standing. And interestingly enough, uh, what is the guy's name? I got to scroll down and find it. Um, Soda pop. No, 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 no. So, this guy, his name's Danny Boy O'Connor, and he's a rapper from the the group House of Pain. Do you guys know who House of Pain is? Okay, mm-hmm. you, I know you guys have heard this song. You know the song "Jump Around." That's like yes. it's played at like basketball games, oh, yeah, especially yeah. during like jump balls or jump, whatever. Jump, jump, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so most people probably know that song. They were a one hit wonder in the the nineties, um, but he, after like a, a concert at Kane's Ballroom, which Isaac and I have both been to because we saw Bleachers perform at Canes in Tulsa. It's a very popular 
uh, music venue. Different he, from Raising Cane's, the chicken. Different from Raising Cane's. It's it's very different. Spelled different. It's spelled C A I N. And Cane's Ballroom. Uh, so so Danny Boy O'Connor. I guess House of Pain. I don't know if he was just performing or what, but he had a taxi driver take <laughs> him to basically kind of on a tour of the Outsiders locations, and he saw that the house was there. And this was back in 2009. And then he ended up buying the house in 2015 without ever stepping foot in the house. And they, he basically just paid for all of the renovations and, and put in a lot of money to preserve the house and make it look like it did in when it was shot, like when the film was shot. And I think that was really the only big public appearance S.E. Hinton did whenever they opened it. Because So now there's a, there's a museum in Tulsa. They call it the Outsiders House Museum. And so you can go and tour the house that the Curtis brothers were in. It's got a lot of like um, artifacts and stuff like that from like pictures and stuff. So from the film and set and everything. So yeah. So Hinton doesn't really do a whole lot of public appearances, but she did show up for that, which I thought was really cool. Did she have any involvement with the movie? Yeah. So she helped co-write it, like co-write the script. She um, was a consultant for, uh, Francis Ford and they they worked closely together for it. Uh, this was actually the second film that, or this uh, of her novels. This was the second one that was adopt, uh, adapted. Rumblefish was actually adapted first, and that was another film that Francis Ford did uh, that had Madeline in it. And it also released in eighty three. It did, yeah. I think I think the Outsiders came out first, but I Rumblefish. Fish was filmed first and mm-hmm. had finished first. I think these were and like so, the first couple of films he did after the disastrous shooting of Apocalypse Now. Really? Y- yeah. I think Apocalypse Now came out in 1979. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Probably it was a couple of years before he, he filmed these. I think. Yeah. And so he he had her work on set and was closely, um, like very much closely attached and very much involved. In fact, she was so involved she all the the like the kids playing the greasers ended up calling her mom because she because they were all these teenage kids away from their parents like most of them didn't have parents on set because they were 18 or around that age and so she was the one who kind of like took them in and like was taking care of them and everything and so they called her mom while they filmed it that's awesome so she was very much involved yeah um i love the origin for how this got made into a movie Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I I read through that um, in the agenda, and I absolutely love it. Do you want to share about that? This yeah. that's like the quintessential, you know, like meeting of minds in terms of like we love this book, we love the Godfather, mm-hmm. or the Godfather had like won the Oscar by then. He had Coppola had like two Oscars by then, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're I, like, let's let's send it, let's just send it to him. Like, what what what? Could what, what I mean, so, what's the yeah. worst that's gonna happen? What's the worst yeah. that could happen? So, yeah, so this got started because a group of students from Lone Star School in Fresno, California, read the novel in their class and their librarian, Joe Ellen M- Misakian, Kayan? Sure. Misakian. Misakian. Oh, that's probably better. That's probably how it's pronounced. Asked, uh, she asked who the, the students would like to direct the film adaptation of The Outsiders. And the kids were like, well, what about, what about this guy? 
And so then they wrote a letter to him and sent him a copy of the book. And he was so moved by this and loved the book so much that he decided to adapt it, which is like you said, Isaac, that's, that's like kind of the dream. Could you, I mean, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. writing a letter to any director and they actually are like, yeah, let's do this. The, uh, the outsiders as a, as a story and as a book reminds me in concept of this book I read called A Separate Piece that yes. Jessica, Jessica showed me. Did you read that in school? Yeah. Eric, have you, did you, have you read I, it? I read it at Southside in high school. I did not read anything I was assigned. <laughs> I, you were a Cliff Notes guy. I, I was definitely a Cliff Notes guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hated A Separate Piece. It is a brutal ending, but I kind of liked it. I like getting punched in the proverbial ball sack of my heart. More brutal than Old so, Yeller. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't think anything is more brutal than Old Yeller, but it's up there. That's the right answer. So okay. anyway, I, it's like me. It's like us asking like, hey, we should send this to Jeff Nichols and be like, please make a book or an adaptation of a separate piece. Except it would be way too niche today. Um to do that anyway hmm, my cool. my favorite thing about reading a separate piece in class was that we were you like know what? that sounds very familiar and i definitely did not read that <laughs> who did you have sounds for 10th grade english sounds familiar definitely didn't read it <laughs> <laughs> i think miss veland oh, okay yeah. yeah 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 i didn't have her i had miss weekly and <laughs> so she got so mad at us because we were like they sound a little gay <laughs> and she was like stop saying it's gay they are just friends. They're very close friends. And I was, we were, we were all just like, well, I mean, it's a little, it's a little gay. But you, a little gay. you can't see the way that they're dressed and the way that they're acting and the way they're like smacking each other the whole time and like how physical they are, like they are in the movie. So yeah, I get that. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, there was an you, assignment we had for a separate piece that I was really mad about the grade I got. So I'm, I hate that, that book because of that. I think you had, a, you had a good that take and she gave you a bad grade for it. She just like, she wanted us to do, this has nothing to do with the outsiders. She wanted us to do some sort of like creative um, project and to show like a change in character and she she I, I remember I, I worked really hard on this we could do it with a partner if we wanted to so I did it with one of the girls that was on the basketball team with me and we worked so hard on it I, I put it we put in so much effort and talking about like and what we thought was a very evident change in the the char- one of the main characters and when we got our grade on it we got a b and it wasn't like i was mad because i got a b on it but i was more upset for my friend because she needed an a to get an a in the class like this was like the last project of the semester and yeah it was brutal and so when i went up to her classroom after school to talk to her about it she was like i was like hey i'm just curious like how come you know we got this grade i you know, I I was thinking we were going to get something higher and she goes, well, it just wasn't creative enough. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you know, other students had like these things added to it. And I was like, okay, what would have been more creative? Like, like I I just, she's treating your, she, she was treating your assignments like a top 10 list. Yeah. It's good. It's just like, yeah, it's more of like an eight. Yeah. Instead of a five. Right. And so I was just, I was so mad about it. And I called my friend and told her like what she said. And she goes, are you kidding? Like she was yelling at on the phone. And I was like, I'm, I, this is what she said. I'm, I'm sorry. 
anyway you could so. be like me and just not take school seriously and yeah, yeah no. i can't do that <laughs> i i can't i can't i can't you're that definitely the me. most successful out of the three of us eric <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i mean i think i think i think so you live at you live and work at home you have a like just mega collection of films i am very proud of that thing. i appreciate that be. Mm-hmm. yeah you own property. This is I'm, I'm probably the most proud of the Blu-ray collection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway. I was going to... Uh, what was I going to say? So, consensus of the three of us, we all enjoyed the movie very much. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw y'all's ratings on this. Y'all rated it pretty high, I believe. Yes. Like, I, uh, I did. Yeah. Like four I and a half very, piece nugget. I was very impressed with this. I loved, I, I love movies about, obviously this has that like gut punch ending that I love. And I, I'm a sucker for coming of age stories, which I think mm-hmm. we should talk about a little bit while we're recording this episode. Um, I love futility as like a theme in coming of age stories mm-hmm. where the, the heroes just real or the main protagonist realizes li- like life ain't shit. You know, you get, you gotta just own up to what's going to happen Mm-hmm. And a, like a school is going to burn and fall on your friend and he's going to die. And even though you might defeat the rival gang, he's still going to die. Like, I love I love that kind of kind of brutal storytelling that goes goes into any kind of coming of age story. So Yeah, that last third act of the movie was uh, I did not see that coming at all mm-hmm. with uh, Johnny dying right there after the big fight that then Matt Dillon's character. Just going berserk and the whole shootout on the hill and with him and the police. It was I, it, I that was like something I I did not see coming at all. And props to the to the movie and the story for for taking us for that ride. But let's talk about the cast. Like Ralph let's, Macchio, I had no idea he yeah. had his performance because Karate Kid is also one of my favorite nostalgia movies of all time. Absolutely, but yeah. Seeing him in this was kind of a trip because um, he put on like a brilliant performance. And I don't know how old he was when he did this. Uh, he was 20. I think he was 20. I, he I, was 20 years old? Yeah, I read somewhere wow. that he was 20 and C. Thomas Howell was like 15. And so there was like, I mean, think about where you were at 20 and think about where you were at 15 and think about <laughs> right. how big, like it's only five yeah, years, but that's brilliant. a real big age gap as far as maturity is concerned. Yeah, and, the, yeah, and he, he played the 15-year-old kid. And he's like, he's yeah. a really baby-faced too. So yeah. like that, that was perfect. yeah. And so I, I, I read somewhere that C. Thomas Howell wasn't really sh- like didn't get along super well with uh, Ralph Macchio because he took it very seriously. And, and C. Thomas Howell was a 15 year old kid. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just felt like he was you know really like he wouldn't he would get mad at me if I made faces at him during scenes and stuff. <laughs> and uh, Ralph Macchio was like, I'm I'm trying to be serious. This is a serious moment, you know, so. My favorite parts of the movie were definitely Ralph Macchio's performance as Johnny, and then uh, Tom Cruise's southern accent was just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, this was actually Rob Lowe's film debut. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen I haven't seen the original version of this movie in a long time. He's and, barely in it. Yeah. Okay. I was about to say I think he's barely in it. I think his most notable scene is like him getting out of the shower. That I mean, one of the reviews on Letter- Letterbox that I saw from someone <laughs> I followed was uh, we watched this in school and we asked the teacher to re- rewind it. That scene. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what schools That's are these amazing. people watching movies like this? I was punished to some terrible movies as a kid. Um, hey. 
I'm trying to think what movies we did watch in school. But this I, one would have been a brilliant to watch in, yeah. in school, I feel like. Because I wasn't it's allowed about kids. Who is y'all's favorite performance or character in the in this film? I was surprised to see that C. Thomas Howell. Um, so he was in E.T. and then he had like a side or a supporting role in The Amazing Spider-Man. I just I haven't looked to see whether or not he did anything he, in TV. He did Red Dawn. He was in and then he's Lines. been in a bunch of like animated uh, Justice League movies. Red Dawn. I didn't know that. So. Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Mm. So C. Thomas Howell actually plays if if you ask anyone who's ever watched Cruel Minds for more than like an episode or two, like watch most of this, this series, he plays one of the worst bad guys. Like they call him unsubs. One of the worst, like he, he plays it so well. The character's so creepy and so good. And it, it it's really like the first time I watched, like I saw him on screen, it was unsettling how, how good he was. So nice. I really liked him in, in that, but um. Anyway. But I thought he was great in this, and you can. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Funny now, knowing that he's 15 and everyone else is so much older. He pretty much carried the movie. Yeah, the, he, it was from his narrative. It was yeah. from his point of view. The whole story. Right. How old was Cruz? I uh, do y'all know off know. the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head. I can look real quick. Um, so looks was, the exact same today as he did back then. His teeth <laughs> yeah. are slightly better though. A little better. Isn't he like short? Yeah, he's, he's five six, I think. On I IMDb, Tom, I he's five so six, but I don't know if he's actually five six. But he's like, there's like jokes of him like being kind of short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Have you seen pictures of him when he was with Nicole Kidman? Dude is yeah. so tiny. Oh yeah, she's a tall queen, and he's a short, short king. A short man. So he was born in '62, so he would have been 21 when this film yeah, came out. So he was about Tom Cruise. So he's the same age as Ralph Macchio, or close. Yeah. He put out a ton of bangers in the '80s. Tom Cruise. He did. really did. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. So, so you said Rick, Risky Business did come out in '83. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see what else. Rain Man was no. Rain Man was a '90s movie. I'm Top sure. Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. Yep. Top Gun. Color of Top Money. Gun was '88. Color of Money is really good. That's a Scorsese movie. Did you know that? No. Yes, I did. I think well, I know that, yeah. I know that and there's a, a sequel. Paul Newman's in it. There's a sequel called The Hustler, and it's just Paul Newman, and it's not directed by Scorsese. It's directed uh, by somebody else. But yeah, Tom Cruise. I wish we got to see more of him because that Southern accent had me cracking up when yeah. I, when, when he Wait. first opened his mouth up. I was like, what, what was that? He wasn't in it quite as much as I thought he would be. Uh, this is. I I think I read somewhere that this was his last supporting role until like 99 also rain man came out in 88 so it, oh, so it was an 80s, 80s movie, movie. Yeah, yeah also born on the fourth of july is an 80s movie nice oliver stone so um i okay did you guys know that that um Derry patrick or yeah patrick swayze's character his character is actually like 20 but Patrick Swayze was 29 when they filmed this. And that was a big, that was a big complaint was how old Patrick Swayze looked compared to how old the character actually was. Cause I think that that kind of takes away the weight of, uh, of, of like why he's so pressed of, you know, you have to stay, you know, kind of stay in line. You can't go out and do these things or else, you know, we're going to get separated. Like I, a young adult being the, the man of the, the house. Right. Instead of then, like a thirty-year-old Patrick Swayze, right? I, did they, did their point, parents die in a car accident? Is that? I think so. I think yeah. that's what happened. Or they were hit by a train. I think uh, in the in. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, it's like, I think we learned about it between the dialogue between Diane Lane's character and mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of the movie. What did they say, though? I, I thought, I don't know if I heard a reason or death. I just heard that they died. I yeah. think they get hit by it. Like, they're in a car and they get hit by a tree. Oh, is that I what that, that? I think that's that, what it is. Yeah. That's yeah. what that cut. That's what that cut. Doesn't have I was yeah. so confused by that. Flashback. I was like, huh. Yeah. That was okay. that, what that flashback was. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot more sense now. I... I get the complaint about Patrick Swayze, but also Rob Lowe, you could almost say the same thing about Rob Lowe. You know, sure. like but Rob uh, Lowe is supposed to be in the same age group as he, yeah, I think he Johnny. was supposed to be like 16 or 17. Yeah. And he's he's still pretty tall and he has a chiseled jaw. Patrick Swayze comes across as like, you know, you, you know, that older brother that even if he looks older than he's supposed to be in the book. I don't know, complaints like that, I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's supposed to be, I don't know, as as a first-time viewer, I was like kind of intimidated by him because you're mm-hmm. seeing it from um from Pony Boy's perspective, mm-hmm. especially when he gets hit and runs away at the very beginning of the movie. So just like yeah. I'm going, I'm gonna kick kick your butt and keep you in line because someone has to. And that's the that that's the role that Derry plays or right. is supposed to function as. So. Yeah. Rob, I looked it up. Rob Lowe was 19 when they filmed this. So, I mean, he was a little bit older, but closer, mm-hmm. I guess, in age. But yeah, I think I, I understand the complaint. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think you make the point, Isaac. Like, he, this movie is told from Pony Boy's perspective. And, and when you are, you know, 14, 15, someone who's 20 looks way older than what they actually are. Right, and sure. so I, th- I mean, you, I think someone could argue that um, people, yeah, a lot of the arguments I think were kind of just nitpicking, yeah. like, like, like Dallas. Apparently, like, I, I don't remember this from the book, but I saw this that uh, this was a common complaint. Dallas, Matt Dillon's character, has extremely blonde hair in the novel, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's got Matt Dillon's just jet black hair, mm-hmm. and then two bit is six feet tall in the novel but emilio estevez is like five six and a half it's awesome he he's two bit two bit is so good he's a great yeah, he is i kind of wanted more of him honestly yeah. i kind of wanted more of everything everybody because i i kind of jipped myself by watching that one and a half hour cut yeah well so okay so we can't I say think- gypped eric <laughs> Is that even a real word? Oh, I just no, made that up. That was a real, it, it actually that was is, a real thing a couple of years ago. People were like, yeah. that's not PC. And I was like, but well, do you guys know where it, it comes from? Is it gypsies, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. it's it's coming uh-huh. from gypsies, and the root word of getting gypped is basically like you're getting like gypsies are gonna screw you out of something. And Am so it's derogatory. I think it's I think it's time, Isaac, that we cancel Eric. <laughs> cancel corner Eric cancel, fam this cancel week. corner. Oh, and I guess there are worse no, things I can well, cancel for. Yeah, I we could go and I could ask a bunch of questions about why I don't understand why that's not PC, but anyway. It's you're making context. fun of a culture. You're, it's yeah. like it's it's like uh, it, it would be kind of saying like yeah. Like, I don't like, even want to give examples because I don't want them to be recorded. Right, right. On right, mic. right. Yeah. Let's talk about it later. Yeah. Let's talk we'll, about, we'll talk about the, it on mic. The difference between the one and a half and two hour cut and what I potentially missed out. That's what I was gonna ask about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Olivia, yeah. you're the only one of us who has seen it. So, so yeah, I've seen it either, Isaac. No, no, no. So I watched the hour and a half okay, cut cool. as okay. well. So Eric cool. and I are in the same boat. So at the very beginning, again, so tell me if this is wrong. 
I I didn't remember this scene at the very beginning when Ponyboy leaves the movie theater. Does he get attacked by a group of socials? They almost get in a fight. Okay, okay. And then Diane Lane talks to him. Yeah, they, they ride up on them in the car. Yep. Okay, so so in the extended cut, he actually does get jumped by them. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but at, like later points in the movie, you'll see Ponyboy has like a nick under, like a, a scab under his neck. It's because the Socias had a knife and like actually like cut him under his, his like chin. Mm-hmm. And so that was like left in because they had recorded that scene and that was what was originally supposed to be in there and then they had to cut it. Uh, there was another scene. So a lot of Rob Lowe's care like scenes are cut, which is really unfortunate because they're actually really good scenes. There, there's a scene at the beginning between Ponyboy and Soda Pop where they share this really like sweet brotherly moment where Soda is like, you know, Derry's just he's just trying to look out for you and he just wants to make sure that you're okay and. And Ponyboy is just like, yeah, but he's always like on my case and he's always telling me what to do. And he's like, yeah, but it's because he loves you. If he, if he didn't love you, you know, that wouldn't be happening. Hmm. And the music is a big part too. Cause I remember watching that and I was like, I don't remember any of these songs being in That's... the original one. Mm-hmm. And Did so you... it's go ahead. I was going to say, I think that I saw a little bit about that, the music, and that was what I would have been most interested in. Was yeah. The, the score was, it was like classical music. Do you, do you know the reason why behind he so, it had to do with his dad being the composer? His dad he, was the composer right. and he felt like he couldn't mm-hmm. really say like, this isn't what I want. And so then his dad passed away. Then his dad like, passed away. Yeah. I think like, t- I don't actually, I don't know. the number 10 sticks out for whatever reason. I don't know if it was 10 years after this movie came out or like 10 years ago. Right. It wasn't ten. It couldn't have been ten years ago because this the complete novel was released in two thousand five. So, so the does like is there like a a soundtrack that replaces the score that yeah. we hear a lot? Oh, yeah, it's like awesome. a lot of like hmm. rock and roll. There was a lot of Elvis Presley. I noticed wow. uh, there was a Rod Stewart song or something like that. Like it, it was a good good. Soundtrack. Like it's a noticeable change. Yeah, it was a noticeable change. I was like, this feels so much louder than I remember. Was it, it better? Did you like it? I liked it. Yeah, I think I. It, I think I would have liked it as well. It it made more sense with the fact that these were greasers, you mm-hmm. know, because like I, I think if you if you're you know thinking about the '60s, uh, I mean, what a time for rock and roll. And I think when you think greasers, you also that's associated with rock and roll, right? Uh, especially Elvis. And so it just it, I, I think it it made it better. I think uh, in the the original cut, the only time we hear music is like the opening and ending credits. And there's mm-hmm. like one other time I heard like an actual song. Oh, yeah. that was just like brass and horns playing. And I was like, right. yeah. there, yeah, yeah. So there was another scene that was actually really moving. It was after Johnny and Ponyboy had ran away to the church, and it was kind of the next day. And at one point, they just become so overwhelmed by the weight of what has happened that they're just overcome by their emotions. And it was, I think, a very vulnerable moment of these two teenagers who are feeling the weight of like, what is going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? And so I really liked that. Another scene that wasn't in there was Two Pit, Two Pit. Two bit and Pony Boy uh, are after they visit Johnny in the hospital and they walk out of the room. They're his mom, Johnny's mom, 
confronts them and is like, this is the reason why he's in here. It's because he hangs out with, you know, you guys. And um, this is why he's in this situation. And, and two pit, two bit just loses it. He comes undone on her and he's like, you don't care about him. You can go to hell. And like, like just says all these things to her. And uh, she's, she's drunk. And it's, I mean, it's a pretty intense scene. I think the best scene though that was not included in the original cut was it's at the end of the movie. You see an extended scene in the courtroom where Cherry, Ponyboy, and Randy all testify about the events of what happened and basically get Ponyboy acquitted of of any any charges. And he gets to stay in the custody of Daryl. And after that, there's a dinner scene where Ponyboy, Soda Pop, and Daryl are sitting down and Daryl and Ponyboy are, are arguing with each other and, and Soda Pop runs out. And then the other two follow, like chase him. And they finally catch up with him. And it's honestly some of Rob Lowe's best acting I've ever seen. And he just, he's like very emotional and is like, you guys are constantly fighting and you're constantly bringing me into it. We can't keep fighting like this. How are we going to you know be a family if, if we're always fighting? And they, they kind of have to just like, figure their crap out because there is a weird power dynamic and you know they have to figure out how are we going to function as a family and take care of each other and you see them walking back and then kind of in in very much brotherly fashion they decide to race each other back to the house and that's kind of how that movie ends in the extended cut and it's really sweet and heartwarming because you're just like they're going to be okay so and, and i read where rob Lowe got to see the the scenes that were cut of his and he was he was he was very thankful that you know those scenes existed and that that was included in the complete novel because it i mean they really were so honestly could have could have changed his career if they had been included in the theatrical yeah And, and i read that that Coppola felt very like felt a lot of pressure from the studio and he was trying to to edit this at the same time he was trying to edit Rumblefish and he just felt very overwhelmed by all of that and had a really hard time doing both and he felt like the studio was trying to like pressure him into making cuts and making it shorter and he didn't want to but he felt like he couldn't say these this is this is necessary and so he eventually, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if I included this in that, in, in the agenda, but he decided to make the complete novel cut when his granddaughter was reading this in class and they were about to watch the movie in class. And he was like, I can't, I can't have my granddaughter watch that, that version of that film. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and, and make the version I wanted to make in the first place. Kind of cool. notorious for having like all these different cuts. I think there's like, Two or three different cuts of Apocalypse Now, Godfather Part Three. Mm-hmm. There's like a apparently the Godfather Part Three cut is completely different from the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Didn't he um, cut all of the Godfather movies together where they're like in or like in chronological order of events? I'm not sure on that. That would have that would be interesting to see. I, don't um, know. I I feel like I read that, but I don't know for sure i know that godfather part three is like by far the weakest one then there's like 
a cut that actually came out, I think, very recently um, that apparently changes the movie up and makes it a lot better. Uh, but no, that that's interesting that he literally is like, I don't want my granddaughter watching this piece of crap. So yeah. <laughs> it's not a piece of crap. I mean, the one hour and a 30 minute cut is still an incredible movie. So yeah. it um, yeah, it feels very much like in a in a weird way. And this is going to sound weird, but just hear me out. It feels it feels like Fox and the Hound. In turn, it, this, and I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking specifically of the sun of the sunrise scene when yes. they're, they're having that very pure, innocent conversation. It's like Fox and the Hound if it was if obviously they were not animals, and if they were at that next stage in life where they're becoming adults and things are brutal and vicious yeah. and like the stakes are high. That's a I yeah no I it, 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 it reminded me in yeah. a good way of the of that era of Disney animated movies where it's like, Oh shit. Like they just went there, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have that scene in Fox and the Hound where, where copper's standing over. What's the Fox's name? I haven't seen him in a long time. Oh, what is the Fox's name? Cotter. I... Uh, is it Cotter? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm thinking of, uh, Aaron's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Todd. It's Todd. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> That's only funny to me and Olivia. <laughs> That's only funny to us. Oh my goodness. That one just zoomed right across my head. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that movie so much. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, oh, anyway. Oh yeah. It, like I, I do I do really like this cut of the movie. Um, and I would be very interested to watch the full cut because and th- and that kind of is a testament to Coppola because only he could make something where the studio goes, no, you have to trim it down. Like, especially you were so problematic on this shoot that we just had with Apocalypse Now or, mm-hmm. the, or the other studio or whatever. We've heard tell about how <laughs> difficult you are to work with. So we're going to put our foot down and make you do what we want. Both, ver- I mean, it sounds like both versions are good. It sounds like this long version just breathes more. And you get to see yeah. more of Rob Lowe. You get to see, do you get to see more of Tom Cruise? Not a whole lot. His, okay. his character wasn't. He, he's like definitely more supporting. It's definitely more of a yeah, supporting a role. Yeah. yeah. So something that I, I thought was interesting was, and this, this only probably matters to Eric and me, was that it kind of reminded me of Fort Smith in a, in a sense where the north side of town is the quote-unquote yeah. poor side of town, and the south side of town is the quote-unquote rich side of town. Because right. uh, that was kind of the stereotypes of the high schools. Like, north side was the poor school, which wasn't necessarily true, and and south side was the rich white kid school, which wasn't necessarily school. It's true, even though our school was predominantly white kids. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought about that as I was watching that, Eric. Yeah. I thought of that too. I was, I was like, I had the same parallel. I was thinking like of the, thinking of the crowds that ran around Fort Smith. Cause mm-hmm. it wasn't really anything to do in Fort Smith. You just run out, run around with a bunch of friends and get in trouble. Take, yeah. take your garden gnomes and just move them up <laughs> yeah. and down the street. Oh uh, yeah. Those are, <laughs> those are good times. Do your uh, due diligence as a, good citizen and take confederate flags that's right don't you forget it i hope that tradition is still going on i that tradition should be carried on forever Mm -hmm. and ever now this is this is great i think honestly this might be probably one of my the favorite movies i've watched that we've had we've got to cover for this podcast in recent memory that's not named days confused um But I, I really enjoyed it a lot. You're, you're telling me God's Not Dead was not one of your favorite movies? <laughs> but he's not. He's For some not reason, dead. I was thinking about God's Not Dead the other day. Like, <laughs> for some weird reason. It worked. It. 
the the purpose of that movie worked i had no idea i was like what was i doing for then for some reason i was like huh why am i, I was just about thinking that? about this thing. <laughs> professor just flies 100 feet in the air after getting in my car <laughs> I got I got some good feedback from one of my buddies who is in that Thursday night group and he everyone texted him and said Isaac pick God's not God's not dead and he was like ha 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 good one and then the 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 next week he was like wait y'all really watched it (laughs) and he couldn't be there for something he was like I'm really glad I wasn't here I wouldn't have watched it (laughs) that's funny oh my goodness that's amazing I love that a lot um yeah this. I, I think that this movie is just, I mean, I think it's great. I think that the cat, like, if you think about it, this, okay, in the same way that, like, Scott Pilgrim has such a great cast at the very beginning of their careers, this also has that. And mm-hmm. I realize it's weird to compare out The Outsiders to Scott Pilgrim because they're very, very different movies. But for me, but, the, the sun rises and sets with Scott Pilgrim, at least on uh, this podcast. Uh, at least on this podcast. It does for us. And so... It's it's really interesting to see all these people who are just babies, all of them. I mean, except for Patrick Swayze, who is a grown man. The rest oh, of them Patrick were, Swayze. were just babies at the beginning of their career. I know. It is pretty cool seeing that. And I like we talked about, this was like the launching point for a lot of people's careers. Mm-hmm. Um, have you all seen like the classic Patrick Swayze movies? Like uh, Point Break. Like Dirty Dance. Yeah. Dirty Point Dancing. Break. Oh, Point Break is so good. Like I found go. an unclaimed piece of meat down in Baja. Uh, Point Break is just <laughs> so good. Oh, man, that movie is a classic. It's uh, like Catherine Bigelow did that. I know. Movie, I know. Is, that'd be fun to cover man, some that, of her movies. Oh, that'd be we cool if she cover. did movies like that again. I'm, she's putting out Snooze Fest movies these days. Um, Oh, what has she directed recently? I think I don't know what she did recently, Zero but I Dark Thirty, the most recent. Yeah, that, was that the most recent? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Her lo- her locker was all right, I think. Um, yeah, but uh, I like the class, like uh, what I'm thinking, like Ghost, Dirty. Day. I never watched those movies because they're just not my mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. I have never seen Ghost. That I think that's was, the one was like the uh, the pottery scene, right? Yes, like, that's the pottery scene, the classic pottery that, scene. That is a classic. I have seen Dirty Dancing several times. It is okay. a classic. Okay. Uh, I'll have to go if watch you've it. ever heard the line, Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner, which is also a Fall Out Boy song, or the title okay, of Fall Out Boy it's song. A Fall Out Boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's like, an homage. Yeah. 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 Um, the Dirty Dancing. Especially on that album, because that's from the album called From Under the Court Tree, which is Sugar We're Going Down Swinging. Sugar We're Going Down Swinging. Dance, it's from dance. That album. Yeah. 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 So they I love have it when he says, bangers. we're going down, down, new, new round. <laughs> Sugar, exactly. we're going down. Nailed it. What does he say um, there? We're going uh, down, down in an earlier round. Sugar, we're going down. Okay, screen. okay. Got it. What yeah. is the I won't remember that song. I don't know what the is message of like, that song is. Have you ever watched the music video for it? Mm-mm. Is that the one where he's like with the antlers? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's super weird. <laughs> but also, they were, I, mean, I think they're still probably super weird, but they were, they were kind of weird. But I loved it. Anyway. Um, yeah, on that same album, they have a song called um, A Little Less 16 Candles and A Little More Touch Me. And I can't remember what the... So it was originally supposed to be A Little Less Molly Ringwald and A Little More. And I can't remember what the, the singer's name is who sings a song that it's referencing, yeah. but it was supposed to be that. And I can't remember what it's called. Hmm. Anyway, so... What's the uh, Patrick Swayze movie? Doesn't he play a bouncer in a movie as well? Isn't that- Roadhouse. Roadhouse? Roadhouse, yes. Yeah. Have y'all seen yeah. that one? 
I haven't seen that. Doesn't he have like a a degree? I think he has a degree in psychology from NYU in that movie. He's like like a genius, but he's just a bouncer. bouncer. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is awesome. I read, I I saw it on Twitter, I think, where it was basically everything before in, in the script, everything about the character he plays in Roadhouse before anything happened so it was just kind of background information on the guy and it was like he's this genius he has a psychology degree from nyu he's done all these things but he chooses to be a bouncer yep yep i read <laughs> that concept for a movie so yeah this this movie has a lot of members of what would uh affectionately be known as the brat pack so rob Lowe, emilio estevez um i don't know if patrick swayze was technically a part of the the brat pack but um, he was the brat dad the brat dad i don't know if matt Dillon would technically be one either but a lot of those people would end up being in the same movies like you know john hughes movies like the breakfast club or um what's what's that one mighty ducks Mighty Ducks, mm-hmm. a classic classic movie. yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know they uh they did like a a tv show disney yeah it's disney yeah. Plus. Yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah. terrible it's it's what you kind of imagine it to be i don't i don't think it's necessarily terrible it's i think it's a good good show to watch if like with your family like, okay i'm a big mighty ducks guy so I'm yeah he's he reprises his character in it and then it's also got is uh, he like the coach right yeah he's like the, he's, so, he's, he's the reluctant so coach he's like awesome. i don't coach hockey um and then lauren graham who i saw this tweet right before the show came out where it was like lauren graham has been convincing convincingly playing a middle-aged single mom for three different like three decades or whatever because she did it for gilmore girls she did in parenthood and she's doing it again for the show which is amazing so oh, i know who that is now yeah yeah, Knight, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay matt, matt Dillon's highest rated um or most most watched feature on letterboxd is the house that jack built I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to let both of y'all go look I it up. I have no idea what that is. I'm, I I'm simultaneously intrigued and horrified. For some I reason, I kind of want to watch it. For some reason, I just thought of Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> um, you know, I've never seen all of Tropic Thunder. I made it happen. That's one of my favorite comedies. Happened. I stopped watching I it. freaking love Tropic Thunder. Matt um, Dillon was in a the there was a herbie fully loaded movie that came out when we were i don't know how old we were Lizzie I think McGuire? it's got Lindsay lohan Lindsay lohan okay but it also has michael keaton in it <laughs> what? he plays her dad nice. yeah isn't that amazing i honestly don't think i've wait i have seen a matt dillon movie i've seen a there's a actually not a terrible movie from what i remember there's a highest movie with like ti uh-huh. it's called takers yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that was not a bad movie honestly i think chris huh. brown was in it too of course he was. It, hmm. it was something else. I, he's he's in that movie. Oh, there's another one he's in. I think Armored, another heist movie? stupid heist movie. Nice. Yeah. Love that. Armored I feel like truck. there was a time in like from like 2007 to maybe 2012 where just a bunch of lame heist movies came yeah, out. Like yeah, B-rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what he kind of does nowadays, I think. Yeah, I think so. B-rate movies. Um, okay, I know we're running up on time, but I want to mention this before we, we end it. I feel like I've talked basically the whole time, so I apologize for that. There, you carried us all the way yeah. to the finish. Oh, line. thanks, guys. So, so do you guys remember me talking about this place called the Tower Theater in our yes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2020 episode and how it's impacted theaters? Okay, so right next to the Tower Theater here in Oklahoma City, 
there is a, a bar called Pony Boy. And it it's it's not necessarily just a, a an outsiders themed bar, but obviously it's definitely a tribute to the outsiders. And they have a list of drinks that are all named after the characters of Pony or of the Outsiders. So there's one called the Soda Pop, the Dairy, the Johnny, the Two Bit, the Dallas, and the Pony Boy pair. I wanted to, I, I love the Dallas one because all it says is in quotes, good ass beer and a shot. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. So, yeah. No, Cherry, honestly, Cherry was, I kind of really enjoyed the character because she was in it for like that one scene at the, yeah. the drive in and she's just like completely sassy the whole time. And it's pretty and awesome. And goes toe to toe with yeah. Dallas. Like, just, yeah, right. she yeah. shuts, she puts a wrap on him very quickly. And that was yeah. pretty cool to see. A, a young Diane Lane. Yeah, she was. You love to see it. Yeah, she was great. Um, yeah, she was. She was really good in that, and I, I think that again, it was a supporting role, so she wasn't in it very often. But mm-hmm. I think she was that scene specifically. She was so good in. Yeah, she was memorable in that scene. Mm-hmm. Real quick, favorite coming of age movie. Is this it for you, Olivia? Oh, I don't know if I know the answer to that question. I love coming of age movies, and so some of my favorite movies are coming of age. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is it, but this I think would probably be a contender. We should do it like a top 10 or top five coming of age. I think that would be good. That well, it depends on how Eric feels about him. I do like coming of age movies. Yeah. Super okay. bad. Probably my favorite. I have a list that I'm I looking think super for. Bad. Yeah. Uh, it, it's probably not my favorite. I do enjoy super bad a lot. It is a good coming of age movie. It I is. think mine is a, a brighter summer day. It's a Taiwanese movie um, directed by one of uh, Taiwan's most legendary directors. It's on Criterion. I believe it's on the Criterion channel, actually. Nice. Uh, really good coming of age movie. I'm a solid four hours long, though, I think. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> We've so, talked a lot about four hour movies. Yeah, for some reason. Too many. I love it. Um, Isaac, what's yours? I think my favorite coming of age movie might be Stand By Me. Okay. The Outsiders is up there. There's so many good ones. You there, got, there you got Sing Street. Sing Street's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Hunt for the Wilder, Soundtrack in that is so good. Uh, when they're performing on stage. Drive It Like You like, Stole It. Yeah, that, I love oh, that song. So that was like one of my most played songs on Spotify, like the year of 2018, mm-hmm. whenever the movie Nice. Was got Adventureland, 8th Grade, 20th Century Women. 8th Grade is so good. Moonlight, Mud's a coming-of-age movie. Uh, the Kings of Summer, that movie's yeah, yeah, yeah. so fun. Love it. Who is in that? Um, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman's okay. in I it. was Yeah, that's what I thought. Nick Robinson. Uh, how do you say uh, Moises or Arias? He was Moises. From Hannah Montana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. isn't that how you say his Mo- name? Moses, Moses. I think it's Moses Arias. Arias he something is like that. so funny in that movie. Aaron Moriarty's in it. Oh, I forgot that she was in it. Oh, yeah. look at look at her. I, I love that movie. Francis Ha. It's a coming of age movie. Francis That's what Hall I like about Francis Ha. I don't know. It's a covert, it's a covert That's a, coming of age. Brad yeah. Gerwig movie. Yep. Yes, it's okay. it was a movie she like was the like lead in. Um, She's married to Noah Baumbach. Am I? Yes. Did I make that he directed up? that movie, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Just directs like, movies too, right? Yeah, so she's directed Lady Bird, which is another coming of age movie that I love, and little the newest adaptation of Little Women, which is also a coming of age movie that I also loved. So Squid in the Whale, Juno I think is a Noah Baumbach movie. Squid in the Whale, that is, yeah, it is. I think I've seen that one. Is that's an Eisenberg movie? I think, and they yeah. play tennis in it. They do play tennis, and there's a really gross scene. Do you know what I'm talking about, Eric? <laughs> 
in the library. I, like, I don't remember. For some reason, I think I've seen it, but I don't remember a thing about it. I was but, I didn't love the squid yeah. and the whale. I do kind of like it's it being off kilter and you kind of get to separate all the emotion from it. Oh, um, okay. It's not really like marriage story in that regard, which I appreciate. Um, every day I wake up. <laughs> is that the uh, Adam Driver? Yeah. yeah that, and okay. I don't know. This is, I don't know. This might be a little inappropriate, but screw it. Um, there's a parent, <laughs> I've seen some video. Uh, there's a scene in Marriage Story, Scott Johansson and Adam Driver are like yelling at each other. They might be doing that the whole movie, but the scene I watched, they were it's, yelling it's at each other. It's the whole movie. Yep. And apparently, Adam Driver just rips a big old fart in one of the scenes. And you can hear it. I don't know if someone <laughs> Wait, just like what? edited it. Yeah. Like mid argument, he just rips one. That's amazing. I don't know I don't if someone edited it, but it went it went very it went like viral on Twitter. Like, did he just like fart while he was getting into an argument? And it was it was it had me cracking up. That's amazing. Was, I know about that movie. Did you see Marriage Story, Olivia? No, it it felt a little too close to home, so I haven't watched oh, it yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It um, I so I think it would now. Actually, no, we we watched it together, and I was like, wow, that was crazy. And then uh, I think it made Jess pretty sad. Is it but like they, is the plot similar to? Oh, it's, so it's is it similar to like Revolutionary Road, the DiCaprio um, and Kate Winslet movie? Not really. Okay, it's not. It's not as dramatic. No one dies. He, it's it's loosely based off of like Bombach's own Mary experience, Stewart, like his Jennifer two, Jason Lee, I'm yeah, because he yeah he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee, who you know is is an actress in her own right, and the if, queen, wow, yeah, she like Jeez. like I think yeah their divorce was really messy because he I my theory I don't know how true this is, but I think that like he started working with uh Greta Gerwig as like professionally Uh-oh. and then I don't know if this is true and and blank, blank. maybe their relationships overlapped a little bit <sighs> so anyway um oh, I just dropped my chapstick that's if you heard that that's what that was um anyway so yeah I think it, it's just a lot of like arguing in in the midst of divorce getting divorced so it's just that that the really iconic argument with them in his apartment mm-hmm. is it the the whole movie was kind of like like that whole scene i was just taken aback by like this feels awkward and fights are with your spouse like really really intense fights like that are awkward but at the same time it didn't feel like a real fight there was like a little bit of it in there where you can tell that they're like they're kind of flexing against each other and it's like not working so i i don't know i didn't love that movie i have a friend who like really loves that movie and i'm mm-hmm. i'm kind of weirded out yeah i feel like by that uh, fascination so yeah you know people's favorite movies uh i'll just say this they tell a lot about a person <laughs> mm-hmm. that's true i mean i like, if someone's favorite movie is like schindler's list like you <laughs> What is wrong with your life? <laughs> Are you okay? <sighs> Do you need to go to therapy? Yeah. Schindler's List was brutal. Uh, I, I, mean, I said that because I, I, I said that because I someone told me one time their favorite movie is like was Schindler's List. I'm like, well, that's an automatic <laughs> red flag. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Eric Andre, I'll, a, dr- I'll drink to that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like on a first date. So, what's your favorite movie? I mean, I love Schindler's List. It's so oh, good. check please. Or the house hey, that Jack built. Is- the, lo- oh, the one with Matt Dillon. <laughs> Golly. Oh, man. Oh, um, talk about movies or scenes that were so the scenes that were that spoiled a movie or series for me. And the the scene from Invincible where Omni-Man kills all the Guardians of the Globe oh, yeah. was spoiled for me on Twitter. And I was like, 
oh shoot that's how episode one ends but i still went in anyway and it was still shocking um the house that jack built there's a scene that i or there's a still that i saw from the very end of the movie where i was like holy cow that's a it, uh, it's just a still and i was like the fear of god was put into me that's oh. uh, i just looked it up it's it's lars von Trier. he's yep. the guy who did all yep, those yep 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 nymphomaniac right mm-hmm. oh. that guy an antichrist he's and yeah he's i just don't i just don't stuff. know we were talking about limits on movies yeah. recently and i don't know oh, yeah. whether or not he would be the limit for me um i i do want to try it because because actually i think on the last podcast i mentioned david ehrlich Mm -hmm. he really liked the house that jack built and he said i'm sorry to say that i love this so i'm I'm like well if he liked it i might i don't know so i i don't know i might watch it at some point but it's two and a half hours long that's the other thing i'm like i don't really (laughs) don't i might split it up into 30 minute segments or something like that so in small doses. I love how we are so very much against anything longer than like two hours at the most. And even not, then, that's pushing yeah. it. Not going to lie. I was very excited that The Outsiders, this cut was an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nice. But we're running up on time. Do y'all have any final comments? Olivia, great pick. This oh, was great. Great. really fun. It's my the first Coppola movie I think I've seen, which is sad, but I'll rectify that. Hopefully this year. <laughs> Good one. Good what? Who's up next? Like, what are we doing next? Is Did we decide Eric next? Uh, I think I am. Or we can switch it up and go to Isaac. It doesn't matter. I have a pick ready, but um, you're, ne- you're next. What, yeah, because you're I next. did God's it, Not Dead. Okay. Yeah. So I what's your pick? I think we're watching Eric? Robert Altman's Nashville. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited to watch this, dude. Yeah. I I have I've I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's I know it's about. You just picked it. Yeah, I just picked it because uh, I bought the Blu-ray and I was like, eh, there's an American flag on here and it takes place in Nashville, so let's watch it. It's okay. I almost picked Twister, even though I've never seen it, but it's set in Oklahoma and it's um, yeah. about tornadoes. So what what more Oklahoma can you, like how more? All right, so this is going to be fun. All, all, all of us going blind into this. Great. Yes. I love it. That'll be cool. I think it's it's kind of like reviewed as a good movie. So I know a little bit about it, enough to pique my interest and I'm really excited to explore. Cool. So all please right. remember to rate, review, subscribe, especially on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Please share this with anyone you know who is really into coming of age movies or really loves the outsider or Francis Ford Coppola. Um, are y'all watching a game? I just I'm, saw I'm watching a softball game. I'm so sorry. No, you're OU good. is playing Florida state in the national. I want to make sure I wasn't. So. Uh, yeah. I no, you're good. No, no, no. Isaac, you're doing great. I'm so sorry. I, I made that facial. No, 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 Someone got just nailed with a softball. And I don't know if you guys have ever been hit with a softball, but let me tell you, it hurts. Oh yeah. Especially when it's coming. Big old brace. 70 miles per hour. Uh, Eric's had ex- that experience, except not with softballs, with golf balls dropping them on the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the cops don't ever listen. Today's confused because I might be on the watch list now. <laughs> the Arkansas watch list. Um, we will be back with Nashville on drum roll, please. Fifth, nineteenth, July third, I think, which is perfect. Or no, it's coming out July fourth. It's coming out July fourth. Oh, that Happy is birthday, America! Yep. Awesome pick. Honestly, because it's. I think it involves. Like yeah, I think it involves an election. It Great. it does. It. It Let's does. do this. Perfect. Perfect. I know nothing about this. Movie. I'm saying ta- I'm changing my pick to the Patriot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was A like, movie that what? has aged so well. <laughs> oh, oh, this is great. Yeah. All right. All right, we'll see y'all later. Stay gold, pony boy. Stay gold, pony boy. Single tear rolling down my cheek. Mm